0: are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nolajake on Twitter, here with you all on this Friday, Black Friday edition of Locked on Pelicans. And no, you're not going to get a discount. It's going to be the same great content here every day of the week, other than Thanksgiving. And we're going to have some fun on today's show. First and foremost, we're going to introduce Kane Pittman of Locked on Bucks, talking about Eric Bledsoe and the Drew Holiday trade. Then it is the mailbag edition. You sent in some very good questions. We're going to answer some of them here on today's show. We might do this a little bit on Monday as well. Let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. Joining me now on Locked on Pelicans, I've got Kane Pittman, host of the Locked on Bucks podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Kane Pittman. Uh, Kane, thanks for taking a couple of minutes to chat about this whole monster of a trade, I guess. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we had to. This was the trade that I didn't know if it was ever going to become official. It just continued to evolve, but uh, we're here. And uh, I will say this, as as someone who covers the Bucks, I wasn't prepared to talk about this trade until it was absolutely official. Yeah.
1: After Can't take any chances. got on. Yeah, no, you got to wait till you get that PR email from the team. I yeah. got that from New Orleans. So I, th- I think we're finally good to know. Still <laughs> included three sign in trades an extended trade traded draft. Yeah, the whole thing is just like, uh, yeah, these guys are very smart in front offices doing this sort of stuff. But so I want to get your immediate thoughts because Pelicans fans are, are happy for Drew Holiday. Sad he's leaving. What are your just like quick thoughts on the deal and everything?
0: Well, I think for the Bucs, it was pretty simple. You had to make a splash this off season. I think it's it's arguable. You can certainly make the case that Drew Holiday was the best player that was going to be available. Uh, obviously, a very weak free agency class. Uh, there wasn't a lot of stars in the trade market. I mean, obviously, if James Harden becomes available, then yeah, I mean, he, he would be a the best story, player. Yeah. But, but considering who we knew was available and actually gettable, I think Drew Holiday m- might have been the best player. So if you're the Bucks you have at least come out now and and said to Giannis, well, we got the guy. We did what we had to do to get the guy. So certainly a big uh, price to pay in terms of draft capital. Uh, Three first round picks and two uh, pick swaps is a big uh, stash to give away. But at the same time, if you sign Giannis, who cares?
1: I, I, it's really, it's for Giannis and Drew is the way I've been saying this deal. All of those picks and pick swaps for Giannis and Drew, because that's kind of what it ultimately boils down to. Do you think it was an overpay to some degree?
0: Yeah, I think so. And also just because of the risk that's involved. I mean, if Giannis doesn't uh, extend and then Drew Holiday in a year decides, well, I mean, it'd be nice to play alongside Chris Milton. But having said that, I can probably get paid somewhere else. I'm going to leave. And then you look and you say, well, that's not good. We've just lost Giannis. We've lost Drew Holiday. <laughs> Who knows where we're going to be as a franchise in 2025 and 2027 when those first round picks as reported to be unprotected. Could you give up conceivably two top five picks? I mean, you could. And you can't rule that out. And then all of a sudden you'll look back and say it was a disaster. But I, I think ultimately, even if that is the case and that's how it pans out, I don't think you can be a Bucks fan and be angry at the front office for going all in on this. You have to say this was the circumstance. You had to do it.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. I think it's just kind of one of those things you're, you're, you know, I, I'm here in a small market in New Orleans. So are, so is Milwaukee with all this, like it's, I've been saying it, they play by different rules than the Lakers do than the Knicks do the heat and all of those big market teams. When you get an opportunity like this presented to you, you just kind of have to take it. And I like that the bucks were aggressive. And after they kind of acted a little bit like a small market team last off season with Malcolm Brogdon, you know they're not acting like a small market team right now, and I at least like give them a lot of respect for that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, you don't have a lot of room to make mistakes if you're a small market team. And while I don't necessarily think that Malcolm Brogdon was a guy that was going to tip the scales and move the needle towards a championship team, because I mean there's just a lot of factors there. He's fit of course. next to the guys I had on the roster. His injury history. So I, I do think, in principle, the contract isn't overpay for Malcolm Brogdon, but. The, the, the reason they messed up is because they let the asset go. And I know they ended up getting a first-round pick that they were able to include in this true holiday trade, but I think the market for Brogdon would have been more expansive and you could have got more back if you had have just retained his services. They could have paid for him. Ultimately, it does, for all intents and purposes, look like a tax dodge. So those are the types of moves you just don't want to make as a small market team when you are trying to uh, keep your <laughs> generational superstar around. So I agree. Uh, this offseason, at least you can't look at them and say, well, they, they didn't put all their chips into the table.
1: Yeah, no, I and I, so I love it. Like sometimes you've just got to overpay for the things you want. Like I've done it in my personal life before. I want whatever <laughs> it is, and like, screw it. I'm I'm gonna make sure I get it, and it happens. And sometimes it's just kind of what you do. Uh, from from the New Orleans side of things, you know, obviously losing Drew Holiday hurts, but. Now that George Hill's going to the Oklahoma City Thunder and Eric Bledsoe is coming in, I have him penciled in as a presumptive starter, probably a point guard in the backcourt alongside Lonzo Ball. Can you give a bit of a rundown of what we should expect from him here in New Orleans?
0: Well, you're going to get a great guy, first of all. I think it's really interesting to see how this has played out over the last two seasons. I think when the trade was uh, essentially forced out of Phoenix, there was a lot of talk that Bledsoe was a bad locker room guy. He was a bit of a troublemaker, uh, he's come to Milwaukee, and, and he has been absolutely flawless character-wise. He is, he's been unbelievable. Uh, great relationship with Giannis, great relationship with Chris Milton in particular, and just much loved in the locker room. He has, has not been a problem at all. Defensively, you're getting an elite guy, and this is kind of the, the funny thing about this trade. So, yes, you lose Drew Holiday and perhaps a little more versatility, a little more size, but you do get an absolute elite uh, guard defender in Eric Bledsoe he I, I think as far as getting over screens he might be the best in the entire league he's so strong he fights through that and defends from the side and behind as well as anyone he's so disciplined he doesn't foul and he was really the key to the Bucks success against James Harden uh, where he would play he would defend you and we've seen other teams try to do this and I've, t- this t- I've talked about it it's, ridiculous. it's so
1: much fun to watch where he's almost like behind him and off to the side
0: yeah, he does such a great job. And not not the Utah attempt at this where they were just completely lost and they didn't know where <laughs> to stand. Bledsoe is right on his hip and defends him better than anyone. So you get a guy that's extremely smart defensively, extremely aggressive defensively as well. He'll get steals. He'll get you transition buckets uh, from the defensive end. Uh, I do think it will be interesting to see how this translates to the Pelican system because the Bucks do play a heavy drop scheme in the pick and roll. And so Bledsoe was able to defend with confidence from behind or from the side because he knew that he had Brook Lopez standing at the rim and then he had a a, a kind of handy help side defender in Giannis flying (laughs) over the top as well.
1: Yeah, you know, I I think sometimes... The scheme and the team that that players are in really does lead to a lot of that success. And you can be more aggressive when you've got those guys kind of defending behind you. I mean, there's Steven Adams now here in New Orleans that maybe gives some more rim protection than they've had before. So I'm excited for his aggression on that side of the ball. It's weird to lose Drew Holiday. And even though, yes, you're going to drop defensively, it's not – as big of a drop as you would normally have. And I think that's encouraging because defense was a big problem for New Orleans last year. What about him offensively should we expect? How does he play? To me, he looks like a very aggressive guard, which I think fits very well with Lonzo Ball. Um, what do you expect from him on that side? Yeah,
0: you would love him to be a little more consistently aggressive that's that's how I would describe Eric Bledsoe he's a guy that can get you 30 points on any given night there's no doubt about that uh the jump shot obviously is streaky i'll get to that in just a little bit but in terms of his aggression and getting into the paint and scoring and finishing at the rim uh he should do it more often because you look at him i mean he is he is built i mean the, the guy is huge and he is so strong and he can fight his way through contact and finish at the basket but but so often you would see Eric Bledsoe and, and I'd be sitting there and I'd look at the box score in the third quarter and Bledsoe has two points on one for three shooting. And you ask yourself, why is this the case? And I, I think too often he would find himself taking a backseat to Giannis and Chris and Brooke Lopez on the offensive end. And maybe that had a little bit to do with what he was doing defensively. But if there was one knock I wanted to have on him, it would be that sometimes he does just seem like he's a little bit disengaged and he's not fully uh, into the game. This was never really a problem, uh, particularly defensively against big matchups, but sometimes against bad teams, he would just be kind of lost. And it's almost like he needs the challenge to get himself up for the game, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you can generally rely (laughs) on him defensively uh, in good matchups, but yeah, that was the one thing I would say a really talented offensive player, but perhaps needs to find that consistent aggressiveness on a nightly basis.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for a young team that has a lot of, like, impressionable young players in Zion, even Brandon Ingram still, and some of the other picks that they have, that's kind of going to be important to kind of just set that example. Something that Drew Holiday did, like, that dude just never stopped playing hard, which is always nice to see. Hopefully, that kind of gets ironed out under new head coach here, Stan Van Gundy. We'll see. He's kind of one of those big screamers and likes to hold players accountable for all of that. So it's going to be an exciting year. You know, last question before we wrap up here I'm curious about is... It's tough to gauge Eric Bledsoe's value around the league. Do you have an idea of whether he was a positive asset with that contract, a negative asset with that contract? I think a lot of Pelicans fans wonder if he's going to be here long-term or even throughout the whole season, or is this a guy that maybe has enough value that you could flip for something else, whether it's first-round picks or what have you around the trade deadline?
0: Yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate to me that I think Eric Bledsoe, you would believe, if you uh, track the media and some of the conversations and the r- rhetoric around Bledsoe, that he is a negative asset, I, I just can't buy that. His contract at sixteen million dollars is, is mid-level horrible. from a point guard. No, yeah, it's not. It's not a bad contract at all. This guy is all uh, all NBA defensive guard. The last two seasons, I mean, this guy is elite defensively. He can be explosive offensively. Now, unfortunately for him, the problem is that the Bucks. If you want to look at their last two exits from the postseason, you can very easily draw a line towards. He's bad. He's he
1: bad in the playoffs. Like there's and, just and, no and other before. way to put it.
0: Yeah. I mean, bad is even putting it nicely, honestly. So <laughs> this this is why he has that reputation as being a negative asset. But again, I'm not really buying it. I, I think Eric Bledsoe is a great locker room guy. He's elite defensively. He can get you, as I said, 30 points. I think that he will be easily movable. And the longer this contract goes, the easier it's going to be to move him on as well. The problem is that you may struggle to trade him to a a contender because they're going to look at the history of of player performances and say "Eh, I don't think we really want to trade for that guy and there was some talk that he was going to go to the Lakers obviously he's got a relationship with LeBron they end up picking Dennis Schroeder I'm not all that surprised that that was the case because again uh, if they want to look forward to the postseason can you play Eric Bledsoe in a big postseason game what we've seen for the last three years is probably not I do hope that there's redemption for him moving forward, though, because again, he's much loved in Milwaukee.
1: You know, maybe they don't need to worry about that as much in New Orleans (laughs) just yet, since it's going (laughs) to be fighting for the tenth spot. But um, so maybe you kind of get the best. He's a very good regular season player. Like, there's no debating that whatsoever. So, look, gotta gotta at least get into the playoffs before you can, I guess, fail in the playoffs. And I think New Orleans would take that right now. So, Kane, thank you for taking the time. Everyone, check him out on Twitter. It's Kane Pittman. Uh, I appreciate it, man.
0: Yeah. Anytime. And uh, Bucs fans, I think, are going to take a big interest in the Bucs, I, I, in the Pelicans. I certainly will for Eric Bledsoe. But uh, of course, uh, you've got a, a fairly entertaining big fella uh, in your lineup as well. And I'm not talking about Steven Adams.
1: <laughs> it's a little entertaining, too. But yeah, Zion's going to be a lot of fun. Look, um, as I told you before, I think Pelicans fans are going to be rooting heavily for the Bucs to win the title. So you've got a fan base a little bit more south now, too. So there you got small market power, I think.
0: We're going to stick together. That's that's the way I say
1: it. So again, big thanks to Kane Pittman for joining the show, giving us some insight into Eric Bledsoe. Coming up, mailbag questions. First one going to be about Eric Bledsoe. Then we're going to get into a deeper one towards the end, which was a really great question that I'm looking forward to diving into. So stay tuned. Coming up a whole lot more. Today's episode of Lockdown Pelicans is brought to you by Built Bar. I love these things. I eat these things every single day and that's because they are the best tasting protein bar out there that I have found just yet. I've tried a whole bunch of different ones. These genuinely surprised me the first time I ate one. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They come in unbelievably delicious flavors. It's not like you're eating a protein bar at all. And frankly, when you look at the nutritional facts on the back of them and compare them to other bars on the market they're better there's not ones that have 300 calories 250 calories or even 200 calories you're looking at things like 130 calories 170 calories and more protein than you're going to find in other comparable bars that is exactly what you're looking for get the protein you need for your workout but don't waste all the cardio that you had done as well and they're running a black friday sale which is going live right now it's a white christmas over with Built bar white chocolate cookies and cream white chocolate salted caramel and now when you buy any anything they're going to throw in two free candy cane brownie bars with every item purchased that's with 25 percent off all weekend long yes 25 percent off for black friday plus don't forget use promo code locked on for an additional discount as well go to builtbar.com again 25 percent off for black friday and don't forget use the promo code locked on for an additional discount as well so coming up next week, I want to break down the Pelicans rotation. What are the minutes allotments going to be? Where can we expect guys to sub in from? We'll break it all down for you so you know what's coming for the season that's in starting in less than a month. All right, so it is mailbag time. I said we were going to do this for this uh, special Friday edition of Locked on Pelicans, and I want to take your questions, answer them here on today's show, give you the insight that you're hoping for, and Let's dive into it. We're going to start with with a special one. This is cheating a little bit. This comes from Josh Lloyd, who hosts the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and the Monday edition of Locked On NBA. He's at... Redrock underscore bball on Twitter um, for his great fantasy site, and he says, "Is Eric Bledsoe set to start next to Lonzo, or will Stan Van Gundy go with Redick slash Hart at that spot?" This ties into a question that also came to me from Jack Yorston. You can find him on Twitter. It's at JPlayOK. And here's, uh, it was a little long, which is fine, um, asking about Lonzo Ball. And basically the question is, where does Lonzo fit, if anywhere, on the post-Drew Pals? How do you foresee him working out in a Drew-type role when sharing the floor with Eric or Kyra? And is chemistry with Zion enough to uh, by itself to justify keeping him? Also, he's been listening, he lives in Scotland, I've uh, been listening from there, which is really cool. So shout out to you uh, for chiming in with the question, because it's a good one. And I like both of these together, so let's jump into it. So I do think Eric Bledsoe will be in the starting backcourt alongside Lonzo Ball. I think there's a reason why you're not looking to move him as readily as you could, he gives you 80%. What Drew Holiday gives you, it, it's a drop off, but it's not as extreme, I think, as you'd get otherwise. And frankly, I think you're kind of looking at dual point guards. I don't know if we're looking at point guard and shooting guard in this sort of backcourt lineup, and I don't think we always need to put those like positional labels on there. I think Lonzo Ball is a credible three-point shooter, as we saw last season, and in the half court, maybe he plays more of an off-ball role. Maybe he's more of a spot-up shooter, that when the ball gets to him, he can at least still move the rock. He can run somewhat of a pick-and-roll, even if he's not going to be aggressive in attack. He's still good defensively, and pairing him in the backcourt with... He was above average defensively. Pairing him in the backcourt with Eric Bledsoe there seems to make... whole lot of sense I think you kind of like the versatility that Josh Hart gives you playing the three playing the two and don't want to just put him into that starting two guard spot especially at times his three-point shot isn't Consistent, And at least with Eric Bledsoe and Lonzo Ball, there's much more ball handling out there on the court and the ability to at least move the ball around. I think that's somewhat of an important thing. Plus Lonzo has such unbelievable chemistry with Zion Williamson. I don't think you want to take that away. This team with Steven Adams can easily be a much better defensive rebounding team, but get those rebounds for Lonzo Ball. Look what he ran and did with Russell Westbrook in the backcourt with him in Oklahoma City. He just boxed out, let Westbrook grab those rebounds, and then Westbrook was able to turn and burn in transition. There's nothing, there's no reason why the Pelicans can't do that with Lonzo Ball here. At least let Steven Adams box out. He gets, uh, Lonzo Ball gets the remount and they go in transition. And that's where he's an unbelievable passer and an unbelievable point guard in transition. And so if you have a guy that's very good at boxing out and Steven Adams is one of the best, if not the best in the league, you can take advantage of that and create those transition opportunities that allows Lonzo to thrive, not just Uh, getting the ball and going where someone rebounds it, you've got to throw it to Lonzo. Let Lonzo get those boards. And if Steven Adams is boxing out like he did for Russell Westbrook, you can get some of that. It's not exactly what it's going to be, what it was in Oklahoma City, but it allows Lonzo to thrive. Then in the half court, you have a guy who's better at probably running an offense than Drew Holiday was in Eric Bledsoe, who is aggressive and is willing to drive and as Kane said, can get you 30 on any given night. And so by doing all of that, I think that is your starting back court there. Then when you've got Kyra Lewis coming in and pairing him with another shooter in JJ Redick in Josh Harton that second unit I think seems to make a little bit more sense. Of course, Lonzo is probably the first guy subbed out and we'll look at this more next week like I said when we talk about the rotation and in will come JJ Redick being that first guy off the bench. That's likely what's going to happen, and I think that keeps it somewhat consistent from last year and just seems to be the best role for all of that. Of course, you can get some spot starts if you want some more shooting out there. In J.J. Redick, if you need some more defense, maybe it's going to be Lonzo and a guy like Josh Hart in the backcourt, too, which would work, and we've seen work. So there's a lot of flexibility for New Orleans, but I do think at the end of the day, the starting backcourt is going to be Lonzo Ball and Eric Bledsoe. And don't forget, Stan Van Gundy had a lot of comments on podcasts on with Zach Lowe and other places talking about that Lonzo Ball is a good player and you've just got to find the right way to use him. And so that's one of the reasons why I've been so excited about Stan Van Gundy is he maybe gets how to use Lonzo Ball a little bit more, realizes what the uh, the very real limitations are for a player of his uh, ability and capacity and is going to put him in the best position to succeed, which is ultimately a coach's job. You're going to see it probably be a starting backcourt of Bledsoe and Ball. And I think Ball's going to be a better player this season because of having a, a true ball handler or a better ball handler like Eric Bledsoe with him in the fact that he's not going to be used or asked to do more than he's really capable of. Coming up, stay tuned. More questions from the mailbag here. I appreciate everyone who sent them in. Those are going to be coming up here in the next segment of Locked on Pelicans. If you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan Podcast, exclusively part of the Locked On Podcast Network, NBA analytics pioneer, and front office insider John Hollinger, former front office executive himself, John Hollinger, joins Dunked On Podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's continue on the mailbag. This one's going to be a little bit of a shorter questions, a little bit more rapid fire, and I appreciate everyone who sent these in. I also just appreciate everyone listening. You've seen me bragging a little bit on Twitter about how good some of the numbers have been, some of the rankings That's not because of me. That's because of all of you and everyone tuning in. And when I see the numbers, when I see where we stand and beating out other shows and other bigger market shows too, it always tells me that when people say New Orleans is just a football town, it's not a basketball city, they are completely, completely wrong. And the passion is unrivaled when it comes to Pelicans fans compared to other teams, I think. So I appreciate everyone who's been tuning in recently. All right, rapid fire time. This one comes from Damian Perrin at Damian Perrin on Twitter. Is Jackson Hayes going to have the most minutes of the reserve bigs? Basically, your starters are going to be Steven Adams and Zion Williamson. You've got Niccolo Melli in there then, Jackson Hayes in there, and now Hernan Gomez. I think Melli, at least to start, is going to get the most minutes. They really want it to work out with him. They signed him to a you know fully guaranteed two-year deal to bring him over from Italy last season. That's a lot of money you're putting towards him and a valuable roster spot, I think. They're going to give him every chance to succeed. But eventually, if it doesn't work out, they're going to hope it's Jackson Hayes. One of the intriguing things about Hernan Gomez is his deal is only partially guaranteed for 700000 He's an easily cuttable player if need be. That signals that they're really hoping to me that it'll work out with Jackson Hayes so that they can cut him and then bring in someone else for the stretch run of the season or at least the second half of the year. I think they're going to give him every opportunity to succeed. It's going to be up to Jax and his improvement and his development if he's going to be the guy that seizes upon those minutes. But no, to start, it's going to be Melly. It'll probably be Hernan Gomez and then Jackson Hayes. And then if Hayes really steps up, It'll be him by the end of the season, which is the most important part. The next question comes from Jody Mwendo. You can follow him on Twitter at GangstaLectual. That's a pretty good one. Is Nikhil Alexander-Walker destined for the G League, or will he be a contributor this year? They're also hoping he's going to take a jump. And I think if you were to look at Jackson Hayes and Nikhil, which one needs to take a jump more? It's probably Nikhil they're going to give him every opportunity to really earn some minutes on this roster. Yes, the guard spot is still a little bit crowded, but there's no more Etuan Moore to soak up those kind of uh, second unit veteran minutes. So Nikhil should see a bump in that um, going into this year. Thing on the G League and why why I wanted to answer this question is, I don't know if you're going to see much of the G League this year. With, With COVID and everything going on, you know, that's just an extra way for people to get infected, an extra cost that's going to be more expensive because of everything. I wonder if that gets kind of adjusted this season where it's not going to be a traditional G league season. Um, they've kind of adjusted two ways on those guys can spend the majority of time with the team. You don't need to worry about it with that. I don't know if you'll see a full on G league season this year and the Pelicans do have a new two-way signing. We'll talk about him on Monday's show. But that means that you're going to see Nikhil with the Pelicans and they're going to try and give him a lot of minutes because they really, really want him to succeed. And I think you'll see him get minutes over Kyra Lewis Jr. to start the season. Christopher Moss uh, asked me on Twitter, it's at Kether of Crowns, what can the Pels get in return for Lonzo Ball in a trade? you all ready to run Lonzo Ball out of here and I get it to some extent, But he's still very valuable. His value isn't, especially after how bad he looked in the bubbles, probably at an all-time low. I don't think the Pelicans are looking to try and trade him right now. You can maybe get a lottery protected pick. You can maybe get a first-round pick for him. I don't think it's going to be in the lottery. So I think you're selling kind of low on him right now. You know, as much as you'd like to get one of those lottery protected first, maybe for him, which is what you could get or include him in a, in a big superstar trade. And maybe that's kind of what they're waiting on, even though that's a little bit scary because he's up for an extension. And I don't know if a team wants to make that move midseason and be like, oh, we get half a year of Lonzo Well to figure out if we want to give him a whole lot of money or not, because, well, he signed with Clutch now. That's a problem in moving him and his trade value as well. I think it's probably better for the Pelicans just to play him this whole season, not trade him. And if you just decide you don't want him and don't want to give him money, let him walk next season. It's fine. As much as you'd like a first-round pick for him, his value's is at an all-time low. You're not going to get that much for him. It's better to kind of play him all season, see if he fits and works. And if he doesn't, just decide to cut ties and move on. I don't think there is anything wrong with that versus trying to trade him for something that's not all that good. And then if he does succeed... Well, you're going to sign him to a reasonable deal, I would expect. I don't think he has a ton of leverage in negotiations going into next season. And at least you've done kind of right by the franchise. And I think that's one of the big things here. Crescent City Connection at Neo Nirvana asks, How likely How likely is it that B.I. or Zion get that closer gene? Are they going to be good in the clutch? They're going to need to be. Brandon Ingram had moments where he took the shots. Remember the Jazz game where he took the shot and it just missed. It wasn't a bad look, um, and we've seen in a couple of other. Or he he finished it out against the Jazz, and then we saw it in uh, the bubble where he took the shot and just missed against the Jazz, and it's fine. Overall, I, I think they should have that. Zion is just going to take time to develop. At times, he's easy to game plan out a little bit, clog the paint, and you can kind of limit him, I think. Um, but overall, they're going to need to step up because the Pelicans need someone who can do that. And it's certainly, certainly not going to be Eric Bledsoe. So there we go. We're going to, we're going to wrap it up there. I got a couple more we can use next week as well. If we want to do this or make it a regular thing, thank you all for listening. Thanks to everyone who sent in questions. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at NOLA Jake on Twitter. Be back with you all next week and enjoy the weekend.